This message is brought to you by House on the Rock Fellowship. We are a church that serves and cares for the Miami Valley region in Ohio. Before you continue, make sure to access the notes from our download section of our message page and have your Bible ready. Thank you for being our guest. Everybody all right? I know. I mean, we can handle a lot, but when we get to church and the seats are different, we know that the devil has really come. We did. We uh, had a chance to, you know, like Celine right now, she has no idea what to do because her seat's not over there. She's like, what do we, what do, we do? Hi, Deb, how are you? <laughs> yeah, uh, we celebrated Dexter and Sierra's wedding. Dexter's one of uh, our drummers. Um, it's a special time, wonderful time. I want to tell you this story just because this has never happened to me in the weddings that I've done, weddings that I participated in. You do the rehearsal uh, the night before because you rehearse something because it's important. It matters. Weddings matter. The sacrament of marriage is to be held in honor, right? So you, you do a walkthrough. We talk about ins and outs. We talk about what things symbolize, why we do things a certain way. And I walk everyone through, you know, the gathering. And then you get to that moment. So, all right, now's the point in this ceremony where you're going to kiss your bride, okay? And a lot of guys are like, yeah, let's. I'm like, listen, I want you to kiss her. Don't take her home yet. But you're going to kiss her, okay? You know what I mean. Right? Um, so, but we'll do that tomorrow. So we get to that point in the rehearsal, they fist bump each other. <laughs> well, it's not like Dex, is, that's just not the way Dex is wired. So at the rehearsal, they fist bump. I'm like, oh, that, that, that's funny. That's funny. They did it during the wedding. <laughs> <laughs> you may now kiss you. I'm like, I'm getting all cut up because we've seen Dexter grow up, right? You may now kiss your bride. And they look at each other, they get this grin on their face, they go, and then, then they, then they, then they, then they kiss each other. Yeah, it's, it's, it was, it was, it was beautiful. So that's why the seats are like this. Um, and I, I pray that you're okay. I, I hope that you're all right. I know things are difficult for some of you. Jesus is coming back. Um, but I do kind of like the chairs like this. Okay. Some of you have no. Mary's like I don't like it at all. I don't like it at all. No. I, I do, I do all that to say I have a confession to make. Um, I fail when it comes to prayer. I, I'm, I'm not good at it. Which is odd, right? Because you're like, well, you're, you're a pastor. I mean, Paul, we've walked with you for a long time. Like, you wake up at four in the morning and you go pray. Yeah, that's true. Most mornings I get up at four in the morning and I go to prayer. And more often than not, 10, 15 minutes later, I'm asleep again. Or someone will come up to me, Pastor, will you pray for this? Absolutely. He goes in one ear and right out the other. Or I might even say, hey, praying for you. I, I fail at prayer. Am I the only one? And isn't it an odd thing? Because like, like Doug said, we know that prayer is important. Is everyone, everyone on the same page? Yep, prayer is important. That's what we do. Followers of Jesus, what do we do? We pray. Any, everyone here know that? Everyone, anyone surprised by that information? I, I really had no idea. <laughs> really? 
Yeah, prayer is this thing we do. We, we, we pour out our hearts to God in praise and petition and confession and thanksgiving. Yeah, prayer is our thing. We, and I know that, I know it here. But after following Jesus for almost 40 years, I'm terrible at it. I struggle. I really struggle. And I think most of us do. I mean, we're talking about something that's important, something that matters, something that has the capacity of shifting and changing the world around us. So in a climate of warfare, I shouldn't be surprised that that which is so important, that which is so crucial in kingdom come, work be done, it's going to get a lot of resistance. And I'm so surprised that my heart is oftentimes the biggest culprit in that undoing. Why are we so terrible at prayer? And in fact, sometimes teaching on prayer makes it worse, right? Teaching on it makes it worse because now, Paul, you've put right in front of me that ever true reality that I'm bad at it. Maybe you'd be surprised to find out that even some of the greatest followers of Jesus of all time have struggled with the same thing. I came across this quote from Martin Luther. Maybe you know who Martin Luther is. Some of you have no idea who Martin Luther is. You're like, ah, civil rights guy shot in the 60s, right? That's Martin Luther King. Martin Luther, okay, the great reformer. If you just Google top Christians of all time, okay, like you're looking up a billboard top 100, I guarantee you Martin Luther's name's on the list, okay? Protestant Reformation, central figure in bringing Reformation to the Western church, bringing us back to the priority of faith. How many of you grew up in a Lutheran tradition, went to a Lutheran church? This is the guy, Luther, Lutheran. Like, oh, he like has an entire denomination. Uh-huh, yeah. He's that guy, that big of a deal. So probably Luther never struggled with prayer, right? He was probably praying 48 hours a day. Right? He was the Mac Dad. Listen, this is what he said to a disciple that was following after him that just wanted to be like Martin. I would want to be like Martin. I mean, like, seriously. But listen, in an honest letter, this is what Luther says to a, a young friend named Philip. You praise me so much. Your high opinion shames and tortures me since I sit here like a fool, hardened in leisure, I pray little. I do not sigh for the church of God. And in short, I should be zealous in the spirit, but I am zealous in the flesh. I'm zealous in lust, in laziness, in leisure, in sleepiness. Already eight days have passed in which I have written nothing, in which I have prayed not at all. That's Martin Luther. 
Paul, it's been over a week, and I haven't prayed at all. Do you think Martin Luther knew that prayer was important? Yeah. You know prayer is important. I know prayer is important. I'm talking like eight weeks, eight weeks about prayer. And we've unpacked some massive, massive biblical truths. How we are created to commune with the divine. We are created to bridge between heaven and earth. That's what we're made for. It has his image bearers, right? Like that's, that's pretty sweet. I mean, my son texts me from school and says, anything else created in God's image? Nope. Just us. Does God delight in his creation? 100%. We are the only ones set aside as his image bearers. We talk about being, you know, praying in Jesus' name. The authority to make decisions in Jesus' name. Remember we had the badges? We made those name badges. Remember that back in the day? Some of you like wore them nonstop for like three weeks, Right? Yep, got authority. Authority. I pray in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. How awesome is that? To seek reconciliation and restoration before the Father. To confront strongholds of evil. Strongholds in the mind. Strongholds in the heart. Strongholds of evil that that overwhelm people. We have the capacity in prayer to confront and see those torn down. Is that awesome? That's awesome. And yet I don't pray. I have the Holy Spirit inside of me, praying for me, praying with me, sometimes praying through me. He who knows the perfect mind of God, groanings that go beyond words. And yet, I don't pray. Why is that? Because I think at the heart of prayer is the heart. At the heart of prayer is my heart. And oh, treacherous, corrupt thing that it is. Prone to wander. Lord, I feel it. Let me illustrate it this way. Uh, last time we went family camping, I had to borrow a friend's truck uh, in the church, haul the trailer, do all the camping things that you want to be able to take with you. And the more that you can fit, the more, you know, awesome, right? But this wasn't a truck. This was a man's truck. This was the truck that other trucks want to be when they grow up. Okay, it's that truck. Big old massive diesel, fancy print on the side, big wheels. Like, like this when Captain America shows up, he shows up in this truck. Okay? Like it's it's that. And like this is he my friend bought this truck and goes to church here. He bought this truck to pull his massive, massive rig. I got this little beep. I'm like, so we're just over a hill and dale. It does it's not even breaking a sweat. It's just enjoying it. This truck is so bad to the bone. Like you can feel as we we're driving through the campground, everyone's like, Yeah. Like we got the windows rolled down. We're cranking out country. My boys are hanging out their bandanas like, yeah. Everyone's like, yeah, man. It's so not our truck. But still, I mean, it, 
the power, the capacity, the heads up display. I mean, this truck does it all. Things heat up, things cool down. There's, I mean, you wouldn't be surprised if you push one button in the refrigerator. It's like, it's that kind of truck. But if there's no fuel in the tank, it's not going anywhere, right? With all that capacity, all that potential, if there's no fuel in that tank, it's not going anywhere. And you can know, and I can know, all the ins and outs of prayer and have memorized prayers and axioms of prayer. And you can, you can spit back to me every sermon I just did on prayer. But if there is no flame of fire here, yeah. So why don't we talk about that this morning as we begin to land this series on prayer. That which keeps us from meeting and pleading, reaching and breaching. The heart of prayer. My heart. It seems that Jesus knew that this was going to be a problem. So he taught on it on multiple occasions. And we're going to look at a couple passages in the Gospel of Luke. Would you go there with me? Luke chapter 18. I got a Bible here somewhere. Luke 18. If you're watching online, thank you for, for dialing in, for tuning in. Uh, it means a lot. It means a lot. I pray that the Lord blesses you through this time. Luke 18, verses 1 through 8. That's where we're going to start. Luke 18, and he, Jesus, told them a parable to the effect that they ought always to pray and not lose heart. All right, so we always should pray. The problem is losing heart. We need to pray. We need to be in prayer. But what gets in the way of that? Losing heart. And so this is the story that he tells. This is what he, how he teaches through this. Okay. In a certain city, there was a judge who neither feared God nor respected man. And there was a widow in that city who kept coming to him saying, give me justice against my adversary. For a while, he refused. But afterward, he said to himself, though I neither fear God nor respect man, because I'm a jerk, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will give her justice so that she will not beat me down by her continual coming. And then the Lord Jesus said, you hear what the unrighteous judge says? And will not God give justice to his elect who cry to him day and night? Will he delay long over them? I tell you, he will give justice to them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? So Jesus, there's two 
pieces that we need to talk about. You need to talk about the character of this judge and the conduct of the widow. Okay, if we're going to talk about prayer and not losing heart, I need to have dialed in. What's the character of the judge? What's the conduct of the widow? He says, look at this judge. This is a, a self-centered, arrogant, self-serving judge who doesn't fear God and doesn't care about people. But he's going to grant her request just because he's annoyed. Okay, look at that guy. And now think about God in heaven. Think about God and think about his character. Here's something to write down in your notes if, if you like to write things down to remember them. Hearts fueled by the Father pray through the delay. Hearts that are fueled by, filled by, the Father, God the Father, those are the hearts that pray through delay. Central to the crisis, Jesus said, is our perspective on God. If you come to our foundations class, if you sit through my discipleship classes, if you walk with me for any period of time and I teach you how to pray, which I do. The first thing that you learn is, the first thing that Jesus taught us is, when you pray, say, our Father. When we unpack and, and talk about the creed, the Apostles' Creed, the, the central summary of our beliefs, I believe in God the Father, Almighty Creator of heaven and earth. You can't skip over that. You can't. I believe in God Almighty. All right. If you just believe that God's all powerful and that's the basis of the relationship, you might go through seasons where you really struggle with prayer because, well, he's probably mad at me. Oh, you know, he doesn't have time for me. If I just approach him as creator, maker, well, you know, it's not based out of relationship. I believe in God the Father. Jesus in this, to pray as we ought and to not lose heart. You fuel your heart by remembering God's Father. He loves us. He delights in us. And that love, a cascading fountain from the Father to the Son, to us. We are obligated, commanded to live in, to dwell in. So why John chapter 15, as the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in that love. Dwell there. Live in it. Make the love of God your habitation. Hang out in that space. When I know that he loves me, that he delights in me, that he wants to, that he's demonstrated his love for me, and that while we were still sinners, he demonstrated his love, the righteous one dying for the unrighteous. That seems to do something, that awakens something deep in my soul. I want to pray. I want to talk to him. In the same way, 
The little child who falls and trips on the pavement and scrapes their knee is quick to run to mom and is quick to run to dad. Why? They know that there's the one who loves me. Then I can pray through the delay. There's a parallel passage I'd like to show you. Uh, and it's just a couple pages away in Luke chapter 11. In Luke chapter 11, this must have been something that Jesus taught on a lot because Luke peppers the entire gospel with some of these ideas. In Luke 11, Jesus is going to teach the Lord's Prayer and then he's going to illustrate how, what drives us, what fuels us. He's kind of as if he takes us to the, the driveway and say, here, here's this really awesome, cool, amazing car. Here's the gas that's going to make it go. The disciples see Jesus. They're like, man, he's like praise all the time. And in the beginning of 11, they don't say, teach us how to pray. What do they ask? Teach us to pray. What is it that's going to enable us to practice a life of prayer? Not the how-to. He gives them a how-to, but look how he starts it. When you pray, repeat this. Very first word. Father. Father. Is he almighty? Yes. Is he creator? Yes. Is he provider? Yes. First and foremost, Father. I'm going to reorient myself to the character of God. That he wants to see me. He delights in me cares for me. But then he goes on in verse 5 after he teaches this model of prayer and he tells this story. And it's similar. You're going to hear some parallels to what we just heard. Verse 5, 11, verse 5. And Jesus said to them, which of you who has a friend, some of you are like, I don't have any friends, will go to him at midnight and say to him, friend, lend me three loaves for a friend of mine has arrived on a journey and I have nothing to set before him. And he will answer from within, don't bother me. The door is now shut. My children are with me in bed. I finally got the baby to sleep and you rang the doorbell. Are you kidding me? The kid's been colicky for months. You know not to bother me in the middle of the night. How much more so? I cannot get up and give you anything. Verse 8, I tell you, Though he will not get up and give him anything because he's his friend, meaning because it's not out of relationship, yet because of his impudence, he will rise and give him whatever he needs. I tell you, ask. It'll be given to you. Seek. You'll find. Knock. The door will open. For everyone who asks receives, the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks it will be opened. What father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will instead give him a serpent, a snake? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him. How much more? The central, the central point to a life of prayer that takes all of the enlightening things that are floating around in our minds and presses them down and fuels our heart of devotion is remembering the character of God. He's Father. A loving Father. How much more bad dads, 
have this figured out. Kid asks for an omelet. Yeah, here's a scorpion. Dad, can I have fish? Sure. Here's a snake. No. Those beyond just the serpent and the scorpion, those are nuanced ways of also saying chaos. Chaos. That when I come to my heavenly father, he's not going to make things more chaotic for me. He's not going to make things worse for me. How much more? So much more so, he'll pour the Holy Spirit upon you. He'll pour his very self upon you. How much more? So why the delay? Why the delay? I mean, there's... Paul, there's things I'm asking for. There's things that I, I need. There's, I, I have a son, a daughter who don't know the Lord, and I'm trying to, I have a spouse who's riddled with, I, I, I have a job situation. Paul, there's things that I'm, there's strongholds that I'm trying to tear down. There's restoration that I'm seeking, reconciliation that I'm asking for. Why the delay? Father, right? Loves me? How much more so? Answer speedily? Indiana Jones. Indiana Jones. Some of you like, have no idea. All right, back when the movies were really good, okay? Okay? Raiders of the Lost Ark. Now they're excited. I've been talking about Jesus for the last 20 minutes now. Raiders of the Lost Ark. If you don't know anything about Indiana Jones, it's okay. You'll track. Indiana Jones, good guy. Needs to stop the Nazis from getting the Ark of the Covenant. First, he has to find it. It's in the city that's been buried with sand for millennia. But he knows that there's this map. And if he goes to the map room at the right time of day and he stands in the right place with the right staff, then the sun will shine through this crystal and it'll light up this place on the ground and show him where the Ark is. Okay? Right? If he's not in the right place at the right time with the right thing, it's not going to happen. Is it possible that in the delay, I'm not in the right place? I'm not in the right place spiritually. I'm not in the right place emotionally, mentally, relationally. Why? Because he's not my vending machine. He's my father. And he delights in me and delights in my formation and my maturity into Christ. So is it possible? I might be asking for the right thing. I might, I, it might be, but I'm getting in the way. Is it possible? Is it possible that the timing's not right? Because believe it or not, I'm not the center of the universe. I'm not the only thing in town. That yes, perhaps, God in his graciousness desires to heal that thing. But he longs and wants the ripples and the miracle to cascade onto others in such a way they need to be positioned to receive and to see and to know. 
so that, yeah, one chess piece is in the right place, but there's other ones that need to move still. For it's the Father's desire that all come to repentance and a knowledge of him. Maybe it's just not time yet. So it's a delay. It's not a no, it's a delay. It's a fog delay, right? Because that's a thing here in Western Ohio. You have fog delays. Still going to have school? Still going to have school. What? We just have to delay some things. That's all. It's going to happen. But I'm going to pray through the delay. I'll pray through the delay. Is it possible that I am asking for the wrong thing? Is it possible I'm asking for the wrong thing? That the restoration and the means of which that I, yep, destination right, direction's wrong. Destination's right, direction's wrong. We talked about that before. Or maybe I'm just completely wrong. The Apostle Paul, I asked three times that I'd be healed from this thorn in my side. I begged, I begged, I begged. Would God remove this demon? Would God remove this messenger of Satan that makes ministry so difficult? I'm asking, I'm asking for this thing. And God said, no, no. I'm asking for the wrong thing. In Huckleberry Finn, The Adventures of Huckleberry Finn by um, Mark Twain, Huck was wrestling with this very thing. Because prayer is complicated. But unfortunately, Huck gave up on it altogether. Miss Watson, she took me to the closet and prayed. Nothing came of it. She told me to pray every day. Whatever I ask for, I get but it weren't so. Once I got a fishing line, but no hooks. We're no good without hooks. I tried for the hooks three, four times, but somehow I couldn't make it work. Day by day, one day, I asked Miss Watson to try for me, but she said I was a fool. She never told me why. I couldn't make it out no way. I sat down one time in the woods and I had a long think about it. And I said to myself, if a body can get anything they pray for, why don't Deacon Wynn get back the money he lost on pork? Why can't the widow get back her silver snuff box that was stole? And why can't Miss Watson fat up? I don't know what fat up means. Maybe in the vernacular, she was suffering from some weight issue and needed to put on some pounds. I don't know what fat up means, so... If you're a Mark Twain expert, a Samuel Clemens, you can let me know why did Miss Watson need to fat up. No, says I to myself, there ain't nothing in it. I went and told the widow about it, and she said a thing, body, that you could get for it when you need to pray for it was for spiritual gifts. Oh, this was too many for me. But she told me what she meant. I must help other people and do everything I could for other people and look out for them all the time and never think about myself. Well, this was including Miss Watson as I took it. And I went out in the woods and I turned it over in my mind a long time. I couldn't see no advantage about it except for the other people. So last I reckon, I wouldn't worry about prayer anymore and I just let it go. I've done that. I prayed about that. And I prayed about that. And I prayed about that. Until I decided it weren't no go anyways. 
Well, maybe I'm wrong. Or maybe the timing's wrong. Or maybe the thing's wrong. But holy cow, my heavenly father will not delay. A heart fueled by the father will pray through the delay. Let me highlight something else too. Something else to write down. Hearts that are focused on Jesus' return, they'll pray through the delay. Hearts that are focused on Jesus' return, that he's coming back, they will pray through the delay. Jesus' return. This, the, the immediate context of this whole passage in Luke 18. That's why it ends. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? When he comes back, when Jesus comes back in all of his glory, if that's in front of me, boy, you focus, right? Like, watch. How many of you got a lot to do today? Oh, jerks, fine. <laughs> How many of you have a lot to do this week? Okay. Jesus is coming back at 8 o'clock this evening. How many of you are going to change your plans? How many of you are going to do things differently? How many of you make certain phone calls a little bit differently? How many of you would tear up the credit card bill? I mean, if you knew it was today, you'd focus, wouldn't you? But why might it not be today? Aren't we supposed to live in light of his return? That if my heart is focused on his return, I will, I will pray and I will pray differently and I will pray with focus and I will pray with intent. I won't be distracted. Jesus alludes to this again. A couple pages the other way in Luke. If you go uh, to Luke 22, Luke, oh, excuse me, Luke 21, verses 34. Again, the heart is the issue. The heart is at the heart of why I struggle at prayer. Luke 21, I love hearing the pages turn. That's like legit. Like that's cocaine bear, man. That's like, that's the stuff for me. Luke 21. Like seriously, if you guys, like for pastor appreciation, like if you want to love on me, everyone bring in a Bible and just do this the whole time. I'm like, that's, that's, yeah, that's good. That's, that's, that's it. Rose is like, that's cheap. We can do that. <laughs> Luke 21, listen, 34 through 36. Heart, heart, Ready? Watch yourselves, lest your hearts be weighed down with three things. Dissipation, drunkenness, cares of life. And that the day come upon you suddenly like a trap, for it will come upon all who dwell on the face of the earth. Talk about Jesus' return. But stay awake at all times, praying that you may have strength to escape all these things. To stand before the Son of Man. Okay, he says, there's three things. Three things that weigh a heart down. Three things that keep a heart from engaging the way it's supposed to. The first one, he says, is dissipation. Who used that word this week? Right? Ethan Motter, you would. <laughs> dissipation, in the Greek, literally means a hangover. Ah! It means a hangover. A disability from yesterday. Because of what I did yesterday, I'm having a real hard time praying today. Because of the choices I made yesterday, my heart is weighed down right now. 
It could be spiritually. It could be relationally. It could be physically. Think about it. But he says, hey, you want to know what weighs down the heart? Dumb things you did yesterday. Right? Because I got drunk yesterday because I numbed myself yesterday because I was foolish yesterday. Yeah, getting out of bed this morning, not so easy. Getting to fellowship, not so easy. Coming before the altar, coming before the table, really struggling spiritually, emotionally, all those things. Why? Because of a disability brought on by my choices yesterday. Maybe that speaks to you, maybe it doesn't. Second thing, drunkenness today. It's not drunkenness yesterday. It's a numbing thing I did today. It's something that I've done in the moment that keeps me at distance from God. It keeps me at distance from the body. I've numbed my pain. Interesting how the first two, alcohol is kind of around it a lot. Okay. You know me. I don't preach against alcohol from the platform, right? But it is interesting that something that's a real struggle when it comes to prayer, it's how people numb themselves with alcohol. Drink less, pray more. Drunkenness today. And then the third thing, distractions about tomorrow. What weighs down the heart? Distractions about tomorrow. The cares of the world, the worries of what might happen tomorrow. Isn't that interesting? I am so worried about tomorrow, I won't pray. I'm so consumed with what might happen. I won't go to the Father in prayer. I'm distracted by it. It keeps me away. Anyone else ever do that? Yeah, yeah. Disabilities from yesterday, drunkenness today, distractions about tomorrow. Weigh the heart down. It doesn't matter what I know in my head. To a point, I need to feel my heart. I need to feel my heart. And as I tend to my heart and nurture my heart and let the love of the Father upon the Son wash upon me and I dwell in that place and I live in that place of who the Father is and how much He delights in me. I will pray without ceasing. I will pray night and day, knowing that the king is coming back and this will be right. I will come to the table. I will enjoy the grace of the table. I'll gather with brothers and sisters regularly in fellowship. I won't be distracted. I won't be disabled. I won't be drunk upon. And even when I am, I come before him in my brokenness, in my bruised black and blue, and the father will heal me and hear me. Even when things don't make sense, even when things are hard, even in the middle of disappointment, I, I shared with you last week how we were praying for one of our church members who's in the hospital. And he said to me, Pastor, I'm ready to go home. You can imagine how his wife was praying, right? 
grandkids, nieces, nephews. We were praying. Love Daryl. Gentle giant. Bit of a goof. Prayed for healing. Wednesday morning, he went home. My friend. And oh, how my father delighted to see him. And oh, how I delight that I will get to see him again. Knowing that Jesus is coming back. I will not let the choices of today disable the ministry I need to do tomorrow. I will not numb myself stupidly so that I can be focused and present here in prayer. I will not concern myself because my father owns the cattle on a thousand hills. I will not be distracted by tomorrow. That his kingdom come and his will be done. My wife has a flashlight. Isn't that a great transition? That was awesome. That was good. I should write a book on preaching. She has a flashlight. She has had this flashlight for over 20 years. So this is the same flashlight that she takes camping everywhere that we go. Whenever we go camping, we can't go camping unless we have this flashlight. It's that flashlight. This flashlight is located right next to her bed. It's that's wherever she sleeps, there's that flashlight. Because if killer clowns from outer space show up, this is the flashlight that's going to take care of them. Okay? And it's a super flashlight. It's like, it's like a gun flashlight. It's got super mode and super, super mode. Like, you see, Darth Vader runs when he sees this flashlight. Okay? It's that kind of flashlight. There have been times in the history of walking with that flashlight. Or is it is it is flickered sometimes. Sometimes it has gone out altogether. And at no point did I say, you know what, we should probably just throw away the flashlight. You know what we did? What did we do, Jackie? Change the batteries. We just changed the batteries. I'm not going to throw out prayer. Yeah, there are times where things might flicker and dark might win and I might have walked away from it, but you know what? I should probably charge the batteries. So when bitterness wins and chaos starts to win and I am long at not prayer, I need to get to the table. I need to get with my brothers and sisters. I'm going to get to the book. Father, I was waiting when I was going to see you. My bad. Paul, you ready to get to work? I'm ready to get to work. I love you. I love you too. Artists, would you come up, please? We're going to come to the table. Next week, we'll finish our discussion up here on prayer um, with practically how we're going to do this as a church family. Okay? If we believe that this is true, we're going to commit to being interceders in Jesus' name, empowered by the Spirit coming before the Father. Uh, what could we do as a church family? When can we gather? How should we focus to see his kingdom come and his will be done? Thank you for sharing your time with us. 
and we'd love for the journey to continue. If you're a guest, would you consider reaching out to us? We would love to come alongside and encourage you in any way that we can. If you're someone who's joined us today and you are desperately reaching to find hope wherever you can, again, Jesus came that we would find hope. You can find hope today. If you want to send us a short note, a member of our hope team would reach out quickly, promptly, to come alongside and see what we can do to encourage you in whatever storm you might find yourself in. That's why Jesus came, and that's why we're here. Jesus said there's two ways to live your life, and a wise man, a wise woman, builds their life on Jesus' instructions. God bless.